Job chapter 42. Then Job answered Yahweh, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be restrained. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? There I, therefore I have uttered that which I didn't understand, things too wonderful for me which I didn't know. You said, Listen now, and I will speak, I will question you, and you will answer me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. It was so that after Yahweh had spoken these words to Job, Yahweh said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore, take to yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my, Job, my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, that I not deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite went and did what Yahweh commanded them, and Yahweh accepted Job. Yahweh turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Yahweh gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been of his acquaintance before came to him and ate bread with him in his house. They comforted him and consoled him concerning all the evil that Yahweh had brought on him. Everyone also gave him a piece of money and everyone a ring of gold. So Yahweh blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He, also, he had also seven sons and three daughters. He called the name of the first Jemima, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karen. Hapush. In all the land there were no women found so beautiful as the daughters of Job. Their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years, and he saw his sons and his sons' sons to the fourth to four generations. So Job died, being old and full of days. These are the comments for Job chapter 42, and I want to say thank you for journeying with us through these 42 days as we've gone through the book of Job. And I especially want to say thank you to Dr. Patson for reading the book for us every day. He came in on Saturday and spent four, five, or maybe six hours in this little room reading, and it was a, it was a fair effort, and I appreciate it. And um, he's also got a bit of dramatic flair in his reading. <laughs> And uh, he, he's probably a lot more interesting to listen to than I am, and I'm really grateful. 
that he was able to do that. And who knows, maybe we'll get him back for a little bit more of the Bible at a later point. In Job chapter 42, we get to the epilogue. So the book of Job is wisdom literature, but chapter one and two, we've got this kind of little bit of a narrative, which is called the prologue, kind of like setting of the scene. Then we've got all the wisdom, all the poetry, all the speeches, and then now at the end, we've got the summary, summarizing of the story and the little bit of narrative that says what happened at the end. It's called the epilogue. And so Job, you know, he's blessed twice as much as before, <laughs> which is great. And so, you know, we this is the thing we put our trust in the Lord for, that when we go through problems and pain, we trust him that it's got, there's a reason for it. It's going to bring us into a better place. And um, so the Lord does that for Job. He ends up being twice as blessed as he was before. He ends up having 10 more children. So the, you know, you, he would have still been sad for the ones he lost. The, you know, they're not replaced by the new ones, but the new ones bring a new comfort along. So you end up having new comforts in your life, even though some of the old pain remains. And um, I wanna make the point that it takes time to have 10 more children. So sometimes when you're reading this book or when you just were listening to it, you get the impression that, oh, Job suffered, but the Lord clicked his finger and suddenly he was twice as blessed as before. No, it was a process of recovery. 10 children takes a while. If he, if he had all of those 10 children from, the, from one wife, you've got at least like, you know, minimum 15 years there. So, you know, nine months for pregnancy and you generally got six months before a woman can get pregnant again. But usually to have 10 children takes longer than 15 years. It's usually 20 years or more. Someone pointed out that in this period of world history, in the patriarchal period, they sometimes had more than one wife. So true, he could have had a few wives he could have sped that process up a bit, but even so, then they still all have to grow up. So we're talking about a process that takes 20, 30, 40 years. It says that his three daughters were the most beautiful woman in the land. It doesn't mean the whole earth, it just means in the area that he lived. In this patriarch, and it says he ended up living 140 years more. So whatever period of time, I think it said 140, I haven't written it down here. Whatever period of time he lived before, which was long enough to have 10 children and to do very well, he's now lived another 140 years as well. Now that's okay. This is in the patriarchal period or the period just before, and people were living two to 300 years in that period of time in the Bible. So the book of Job, it addresses some key big ideas. And uh, number one is the idea of testing. And uh, as Christians, we all go through tests of our faith. And we're called to, to cling to the Lord as we go through tests. The book of James tells us to consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you experience testing of many kinds. <laughs> Job didn't find it pure joy, but he didn't know to either. He didn't have the book of James to help him. But so the, book, the idea of testing is a thing that we all go through. We learn about accusation about how dangerous a weapon that is. And there's a message on the Peace app all about accusation which can help you. We learn about the problem of pain and it's it, the two variations of that. So pain, you know, why, if there's a good God, why is there pain and suffering in the world? So we learn first of all that there are, there are reasons for it. So that's called the theological problem of pain. We realize that there are actual reasons 
So in the beginning of this whole book, in chapter 1, I asked the question, you know, if God is all-powerful and God is all-loving, um, why is there pain? You know, because if he can do anything and he loves completely, surely he could stop the pain. But as we go through the book of Job, which is a wisdom book, we learn that God is also all-wise. So it's not just two components to the question. We learn that there are three components to the question and that in God's wisdom, sometimes difficulties and pain are allowed and and we know in the story of job it brings about a greater good later on so as far as the theological problem of pain goes we've got an answer that's that's satisfying because we realize that god knows things we don't know and we trust him just like job trusted him but the problem of pain also hits people at the personal level so like Dr. Patson, he, he experienced the problem of pain at the personal level when his son Nathaniel was tragically taken in a car accident a few years ago. Other people have experienced the problem of pain in personal ways. Many people have, not many as, as deeply as Dr. Patson or as deeply as Job. But most people go through various personal pain issues in their lives. So the book becomes a gift to those people. So... We, we, um, there are three things that God gives to help people through the personal problem of pain. The theological answers are not always satisfying to people who are going through pain because when you're going through pain, like Job did, you, you know to trust God, you know that he must know things you don't know, but because you don't know what they are, it's unsatisfying. So you're left with just wrestling with the trusting in God. It's usually later on that you look back on a situation and you've learned more things or you've been, because you've been through the experience or you've had other experiences, you're able to look back on it and realise, ah, that's why God did that or that's why he allowed that. So you, you usually eventually can come to the place where there's something satisfying given to you. But at the time, it's not always satisfying. So the Lord gives people three things. Number one, he gives them Christ. Christ went to the cross and suffered on our behalf. He went through his own personal pain. In other words, God took upon himself the pain of the world. And so when we go through pain, we realize, you know, God knows what it's like. The second thing that God gives us is he gives us the scriptures. He gives us information and knowledge. And in that sense, the book of Job is the gift of God. And the third thing that God gives us is a family to belong to, and that's the church. We are a part of a group of people that will love us and support us and help us as we go through difficulties. And even though it may be a process, you know, Job's own experience wasn't an instant thing. It was a, he was going through pain for a while. And when we suffer, we will often go through pain for a while. It's a process. And so we walk with the Lord and Christ. We walk with the scriptures. We walk with the church and the family of God. And these things support us as we go through our pain. And time brings healing. The Lord is able to touch and heal our heart through these things. And so Job didn't have these three things. He didn't know about Christ yet. He didn't have a Bible. And his friends were not supportive at all. His family was not supportive at all. Job didn't have the three things that we have received. But by going through the things he went through, he becomes a source of encouragement 
so that he becomes one of the things that we receive. He becomes the words of encouragement that he himself didn't have. So we see in the life of Christ that by his suffering, he redeemed all people. And so suffering itself has a redemptive purpose. And so Job, you know, he could look back on his life. If, if he was able to look back on his life from now, from our perspective, he would say, you know what, my, I'm so amazed at all that the Lord did through my sufferings and through my life and how it has touched and blessed so many people, millions of them. And that's the nature of suffering. When it's done with eyes on Christ, as Jesus did when he went to the cross, it produces redemption. And so when you go through your suffering, um, eyes on Christ, trust him, aware that he knows things you don't know, know that there's a redemptive purpose in it all, that good is going to come out of it, that that good will come around good, better for you, but that good will also work out for others because of you too. So in the end, the book of Job is a blessing to us and it's a gift to us, but it's also a shared experience that we have with Job as well. Tomorrow we're going to jump into the Psalms and uh, the Psalms would have to be um, the favourite book in the Bible for the majority of Christians. So many Christians, when you ask them, what's your favourite book, they say the Psalms. Well, we're going to go there tomorrow. Join me for Psalm chapter 1. Lord, we thank you for the, the suffering of Job, the patience of Job, the testing of Job. I thank you that you are with him and I thank you that you are with us too. Amen.